What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to episode 11 of the Silence the Shame podcast. Our host Shanti Daz is out on the road making it happen right now. So, so much love to Shanti. I am your co-host, Free the Vision. Today in the studio, we have Paige Gaines. We're going to be talking about her organization, 911 St. Jane. What's up, Paige? Hi. So give me a little bit more background on 911 St. Jane. St. Jane came to me once I recognized how big the stigma was for African Americans to have a mental illness. Mm -hmm. And um, I knew that it had to be sad just said say something Mm -hmm. i knew i had to do something so i didn't know that it would be this Mm -hmm. or that i'd be talking to you guys but i knew that i refused for anybody else to feel like i did at that moment so okay when you say you feel like you did how did you feel what are some of the things that you faced um completely absent from the world like emotionally um very created very um expected in a manner. When you say created and expected, um, are you referring to like your, emo- was it an emotional state? Was it a psychological? Was it the way that people were interacting with you or you were interacting with I them? Mean, I believe like growing up and even as adults, we all kind of live within labels okay, and live within expectations and live within other areas. And it affects everybody, you know, differently. And I shut down and, um, being um, so young and dealing with such a strong mental illness, it was a lot more, you know, it was difficult. So Okay. So let's get into um, the mental illness. What is your, if you don't mind me asking, what's your actual diagnosis? Of course not. Um, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder one. Okay. What is the difference between a one and a two? Forgive my ignorance. Do you know? Are you sure? No, the difference between um, one and two is whether or not you have more manic episodes or you have more depression episodes. So um, that kind of differentiates. And for for bipolar disorder, one is more of a which of those two? Medium. Medium. Okay. Okay. And so at what age did you start to kind of notice that things were maybe a little different for you? Like you were starting to feel... I've always been weird. I've always felt different, Mm -hmm. Um, like always, Mm -hmm. Um, since I was a kid, actually. But I felt very emotionally, like, supercharged Mm -hmm. around the age of 10 and 11 and 12. I knew that a lot of topics that had nothing to do with anything, like a Spanish class I was in, somebody said something mean about one of the landscapers. And I cried. Like, I flipped out mm. in class, and I just started crying. And literally the whole class was just like, what is wrong with her? And knowing now, I'm like, oh, my God. I was just, you know, very emotionally heightened. So those are different signs. So. Okay. Okay. With um, At what age do you feel like maybe things got to the height of it? Um, Definitely 20. 
21. Okay. But that's the given age for anybody symptoms to actually emerge. So scientifically, that's okay. a fact. What, fact given right there. Okay, shout out. What <laughs> did um what did it look like? Like what was that experience like for you? You no, I mean want? it's just a lot. You need a lot more questions than what it looked like. It looked like how a did it big feel? Party. It looked like a big party. Mm. It felt like a bad hangover. Okay. And it turned into a hot mess. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean that's as best as I can put it. Uh, it was a lot of alcohol, mm. um, a lot of marijuana, a lot of sleepless nights. I've gone two to three days like without sleep before, so. Um, my symptoms were very extreme at that moment. So, um, yeah. So was that, okay, at 20, you're saying, you said 21, 22, right? 21. Mm-hmm. So at 21, I think that maybe like the average person feels as if like they're partying all the time or like now I can drink. You get what I'm saying? And we may overindulge. And so how would you kind of differentiate the difference between what some would call the turn up versus mm-hmm. like, nah, this is me coping or this is me rebelling or whatever the thing is that I'm doing. This is an actual issue that needs to be addressed. Um, exactly what you said, identifying why you're drinking. Okay. So, for example, um, I won't go out with friends if they're going to that restaurant just for a particular drink. Like, I'm not going to go out for an evening that's surrounded by alcohol. Okay. So just small things like that kind of totally separate it from being, I'm not going to say an addiction, but, yeah, being an addiction and then just, you know, parting way too much. Okay. So replacing it with something else. When you first started dealing with this, did you, as we know, like, there's stigmas and shame behind mental health. Did you feel as if, or did were you, how can I ask this? Were you reluctant to maybe seek help? Did you feel like you needed to seek help? Was it like a was there any stigma involved in the things that you were doing that made you feel like I don't need anybody else to know this? I got this. I can do this on my own. Yes. Okay. Um, and I say that in two answers. As a kid, I really believe the stigma was so strong to where it didn't cross my mind to speak it. Okay. Okay. To be very truthful, I don't believe. Did you think something was wrong? Like, did you feel like I mean, I knew, of course. Like, I was suicidal at the age of 12. Mm, So, I mean, I know that's not normal. Um, So, I knew something was wrong, but it could never be wrong enough to where I could bring it to my family and it be accepted. Mm. So, um, yeah. Did Did your family have any idea? No? Not until later. Like later in the twenties, yeah, my twenties, yeah. Really, yeah. So, was it a lot of your triggers? Was do you think they were childhood things, or is the is it a chemical imbalance? Is it you know, or is it a mixture of things? It's um for sure a mixture. Mm-hmm. Without um one or the other, it kind of just. I guess you could say you wouldn't be that ill, but mm. triggers are definitely everybody has them. Okay. So, um, like the let's stop, get into that. Yeah, let's <laughs> get into that. So a stop sign is red. Right. Right, and we all know to stop. Right. Red. Okay. Cool. 
maybe my mom ran through stop sign one day. She didn't, but maybe okay. she did. Okay. And that altered my idea of what that actually, you know, means. It brings up a different memory. Mm-hmm. It causes a different reaction and so forth and so forth. Mm-hmm. Everybody has that. It's built over time. Myself, my triggers and my responses happen to be a lot more sensitive mm-hmm. and a lot more emotionally triggering. Mm-hmm. Therefore, my responses will be anger mm-hmm. or complete just you know blackout moments or just tears or you know where people are like why is she so emotional that she didn't even do anything i'm just a little more sensitive that's all okay <laughs> <laughs> that's I can, it I'm I, can, <laughs> I can respect that yeah, i can so, res- um, does it so i think one of the things and we talked about this offline that with one of the stigmas that I don't think that we always address is the fact that maybe people, because speaking of the sensitivity, because people know with mental health issues or anything like that, that there is a sense of sensitivity potentially. And so people who are just the average person walking around, not to say that people without, with mental health issues are not not average, mm-hmm. but just the average person who has not dealt with this in a in a direct sense, or at least as far as they know, they may feel hypersensitive in communicating or hypersensitive in creating a relationship or not knowing how to approach. What do you feel? Do you feel that that creates a stigma? Do you feel that alienates a person? Like, how is what's the best way to address that kind of complication? I think it depends on, like, what they're hypersensitive about. So whether they're sensitive about not being around you. <laughs> okay, okay. Or they're sensitive about what they say around you. you okay. Know? Um, I think those are two different things. I think the situation by itself, nobody really knows how to act once you say, hey, yeah, I have a mental illness. Mm-hmm. And that's just the reality, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I've built myself to be okay with it. And I find the responses to be um, interesting mm-hmm. um, and purposeful Why I'm doing what I'm doing. So. What are the responses that you feel are most um, aggravating? Mm-hmm. You don't look like it. You don't look like it. You don't look like you're bipolar. Not at all. Look at you. Look at your car. Mm-hmm. You don't look like it. You're too pretty. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, man, I didn't know they had a facial description under the bipolar description and definition. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. Put my picture there. I had no idea. <laughs> so um, that's that bothers me. Okay. Like, that bothers me a lot. Okay. Yeah. Like, what are, so what do you feel maybe the best way to approach it? Because I think what happens in that moment is that I think people have a preconceived idea that, any kind of mental illness has a look. Mm-hmm. And when, not just a look as in like, you gotta be disshuffled, maybe you're homeless, or you know whatever the stigma is about it, but I think that they feel that mental illness means that the person is unstable, and maybe they feel unstable has a look. Does that, you, you understand what I'm saying? So I feel like in that moment, people kinda feel, they're making a, they don't realize that they're making an ignorant statement, they think that like, oh, you are so much like you're so relatable that I would think that you can't have a mental illness. Exactly. And in the same moment, I don't get mad. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not like shame on you. How could you <laughs> dare say this to me? You right, know what right, I deal right. with? But no, um, it's definitely 
uh, like I said, it's more so of an opportunity for me to address it and to talk about it and to laugh about it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's a, I don't take it as a bad thing at all. It's just, you know, a point that I like to harp upon. Yeah, I can understand that. And I think it's good to do so because I don't think that people know. I don't think people are always aware of what they're saying. And I also don't think that people are cognizant that, like, what you say fucking matters. Or excuse my language, but it does. What you're saying matters. And so for you, did you ever, does it, like, alter the way that you have relationships or the way that you people might interact with you? Or do you feel as if you've seen kind of, like, a difference once you talk to people? New relationships or, like? New or both. I actually like to know both. Like, once you actually went through your diagnosis, and I want to get into kind of like your, I take it at 21, you were in college, right? I, mm-hmm. And I want to talk about when that actually happened to you. But when post, once you realized that this is what it was, once the doctors gave you a diagnosis or told you, did you notice that people started to change around you? Like, do you feel that the stigma on their part kicked in? Um, I felt like people became entitled and I Mm. felt like people became very, uh, let's see, let me fix her. I always knew something was wrong with her. Uh. So now that I know, let me, I mean, because, you know, as an African-American, we love to sit there and be like, well, why didn't you do this today? Girl, why you got your hair like this? Can't wash your hair so curly today. Like, it's just always a something. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think it was just another excuse. And the excuse is so huge in our culture that they could run with it and make it to whatever they wanted to. Mm -hmm. Um, So friendships are difficult. Very, very, very difficult. What's what's the most difficult aspect that you feel? Um, I think in the very beginning of being diagnosed, you don't know what's going on. Okay. Um, and it's so closely related to your emotions and it automatically comes out in your actions, which is how you talk to people, how you argue, if you argue, you know, so it all goes hand in hand. So if you're still learning, you're definitely going to hurt people in the process. Like you're going to hurt people in the process. And uh, I'm very blessed and grateful to have like some homies that stay down. Hey guys. And, um, you know, you have to, it's just, it's difficult. It's a difficult place to be in. It's a difficult place to actually help somebody, especially somebody that you love mm-hmm. and that you care about. Yeah. So it's, yeah, you know. I can understand that. Let's piggyback real quick to the to when you were about 21. Uh-huh. And you said it looked like a bunch of party and it looked like a bunch of drinking. What was the final straw? How did that come about? where it was like now is the time for help um the final straw was i was in atlanta like midweek meaning i should have like been at georgia southern in school okay but i was in atlanta midweek and uh, i hadn't slept for days um i was partying like a whole lot that's all i was doing basically and uh, I was trying to drive back to Statesboro, and my car kept shutting off. Mm. And I never had panic attacks prior to that day, but I was having panic attacks, and my car just kept shutting off and kept shutting off. So I'm freaking out, and then I pulled over to a AutoZone parking lot, 
and uh, just parked my car, and then I just got really sick, and I threw up, mm-hmm. and I called my dad and told him to come get me, and that's all I remember. Mm. And he just picked me up out of my car and laid me in the back of his, and I was in the hospital like two days later. Really? Yeah. So, um, but it was it was a build up. So I'm not surprised for how it happened. I'm not surprised I passed out in a parking lot. Okay. Um, it was it was definitely it was bound to happen. What makes you feel that it was bound to happen? It was bound to happen because by that moment. I could have been getting two hours of sleep a night. Okay. For months and months and months and months and months on end. Okay. Um, because your brain doesn't really shut off. I don't want to get too technical about the disorder, but mm-hmm. when you have mania, your um thoughts are just continuous, and you're very creative. You're very talkative. Um, you can stay up all night. Your energy is very high. Um, just, you know, everything is heightened, like your mm-hmm. metabolism mm-hmm. and speeds up. So I lose weight. Sometimes it's not really a bad thing. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I lose weight. So, um, doing that for two years, mm-hmm. I weighed a hundred pounds. Mm. Um, my cheeks would be like swollen from chewing my cheeks at night. Cause I would grind my teeth cause that's how bad my thoughts had, you know, picked up. Would, so, and during your sleep or while you're awake? Well, I mean, I would grind in, like while I was awake too, but during my sleep when I was okay trying to sleep because my brain didn't shut off. Mm-hmm. Um, so technically, you're never sleeping and your brain is never resting. And when that happens, then you're still dealing with daily triggers and daily life. And I was still trying to go to school and so forth, but my brain was so sick; it could only take so much. What is the when when you're dealing with daily triggers and you're dealing with different things like that? Do you feel was the drinking, the partying, were those your coping mechanisms, or was it just like the culture of college? Um, I think it could have been introduced as a culture, and then definitely coping like. Okay, so because like before you <laughs> yeah. you got to college, was life like that? Um, no. Okay. No, 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 actually not. I didn't even drink until, gosh, and I went to Georgia Southern, so people know. Yeah, Georgia Southern's a party. Yeah, like people know. <laughs> yeah. It's a little, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, they have infamous parties at Georgia Southern. Yeah. Yeah, so, okay, great. Okay. <laughs> um. So then... What were you asking me? That is so funny. I just had like, a flashback. Like, <laughs> to all of the parties, like, it did, right? <laughs> um, I was asking, like, before college, was it, did oh, you? no, I didn't have my first drink, and it, I thought it was absolutely disgusting the second semester of my freshman year. Mm-hmm. So I was super late. Like, everybody, I was very late. And I just, I didn't have any interest on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then my symptoms came, like, mm-hmm. out of nowhere. And everything just totally changed. Yeah. And so it worsened your symptoms. Mm-hmm. It, okay. Yeah. Okay. So at the time, have you, and I'm, I'm just getting a little personal. No, I want to talk. Let's talk. <laughs> Let's talk. Let's okay. Talk. So were you dating at the time? Was I dating at the time? Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. So <laughs> was it, is, is it, how did it affect your relationship? It was awful. Okay. I was awful. Okay. I was horrible. Okay. 
Well, she don't know. <laughs> I was awful. I mean, I had horrible, horrible, horrible anger issues. Um, I love to fight. Mm. Um, and my triggers at that moment um, were just, they were just now hitting home. Like your brain, if you are traumatized as a child, is not necessarily going to affect you then. You could wake up one day as a 20 something year old and remember, oh wow, like five years of my life, I actually experienced multiple forms of abuse. Huh, no wonder why I flip out if this happens, you know? Mm. So everything actually has a point and everything matters. Um, so my disorder mattered, my yeah. abuse mattered, um, my drinking mattered, like everything played a major, major, major part. So by the time I was in college and I was dating and my symptoms were real, I was reacting out of pain from a 12 year old. Yeah, yeah. So it was ugly. It was very, 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 very ugly. And nothing of that am I proud of. Mm -hmm. And I would never use my illness as an excuse for it. So, um, you know. But does it, I mean, even if it's not an excuse, it is a factor, would you say? Yeah, it's a reason. Okay. But nothing is ever, like, an excuse. You know okay, what I mean? Okay, I do. Because if so, then, like, I would never be married. And believe me, I'm getting a ring. Okay, I respect that. <laughs> I respect that. <laughs> I um, want to ask about, and we don't have to get in details of the abuse, but for those who don't know, because Shanti often says you're, you can be one traumatic experience away from having a mental health issue. And so you're speaking about like, and I'm guessing um, mm -hmm. with you saying that, you know, for a certain period of time in your life, you had abuse. Is that something that might have been like a latent, like you said, you had mm -hmm. this latent response. Mm -hmm. So abuse can be something that has a, I guess, a dormant effect. Yes, definitely. Okay. Um, Like, okay, personally, I was physically and I was sexually abused. Okay. So the first time for both, I was 12 from what my brain has allowed me to remember. Because you'll black out. Mm. Like, you, if you have something like that to happen, and a lot of other things, if you can't take it mentally, yeah. your brain won't allow you. You get rid of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, But it's never going to go away, which is why it is important to go back and resurface and, you know, do all of that. But um, I didn't remember, like, five years of my life for a mm. little bit until, like, yesterday, maybe. Okay. <laughs> like, it's still... It still comes in and out. I forgot your original question, but yeah, no, no, you're answering, am I answering it. it. You are, you're answering it. And f are you still seeing therapists? I actually, I'm. I or want a to go. I want. I love therapy. I was discharged. Um, let's see, after four years, last May was it last May? What mm -hmm. was this May? Um, yeah, the May before last, something like that. Anyway, okay. after four years, I was discharged, and it was the most transforming, most powerful, most hear-me-roar, most, like, I hate slang. Oh, my God, I hate lingo, but most mm -hmm. boss-up moment of my entire yeah. life. Yeah, I can understand. Of my entire life. Yeah. You felt liberated in many ways, I'm you sure. You see my Right, right. I should put that on Instagram. Like that's how she was looking. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like yes, it was. I mean, it was. It was hard. Um, what did you love most about it? Because most people have a stigma around therapy, so they don't hear people say that. Oh, I, 
not in our community, not in the African-American community as much. You know, other cultures have it as a normal thing and they do love it because I think anybody likes to feel healed. You know what I mean? But for us, we have a touch and go relationship with clinicians. So we tend to have a stigma around that. Okay, so I have like so many responses to that. Please give um, them. Okay, so my thing with therapy, um, what did I love? I loved the fact that I learned that I was like I was deserving of all the pain mm. that I had been carrying my entire life. Mm-hmm. Like I'm getting goosebumps right now. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that she said you had a right to feel that way you know Mm. um it made it made it a lot better it didn't make me better but it just it totally it changes your approach to life honestly and your approach to how you're able to handle things i think it gives you a little more power when you do make a mistake like you know what i can take accountability for that Mm -hmm. but on the other hand as i say that as an African-American and dealing with mental illness, I find it um, almost like a right to take care of ourselves just because absolutely we were like to not be seen as a human being, to be in the place where we are now, to where we have the right to actually feel happy. Mm-hmm. Like people care if you're sad. Yeah. People care if you're not having the best day. People care if you're not okay mentally. The thing, our ancestors had to get up, period. It never mattered. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you actually have the right to be happy. I think, like, we have to take advantage of that, and it's not that difficult. Absolutely. So that's my biggest That's a very powerful point. That's a powerful point because I think that, and I often say this, but when you look at what trauma is we endure trauma on every single level from physical to mental to spiritual we endured trauma and then we were just cut loose like now get it together (laughs) you know what i mean like it was just like all right you guys are cut loose and pull yourself on up by your bootstraps now you know so with you saying that we have that right to be happy and therapy is that there's so much that i think that historically we were taught that we don't talk about. Mm-hmm. And I think that people also have an idea that if I talk about this, it's only going to make it bad because it's going to make me feel these things that I don't want to feel. And so they're burying it to avoid the feeling of having to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Right. So that brings me to like with um, I want to ask a question that. I'm asking for people that I know I've heard this question asked before, and um, it may be a little bit ignorant. No, it's fine. But the question is, after going through therapy, you felt liberated. You felt like you have gotten everything. Well, I don't know everything off your chest, but you've gotten so much off your chest. I think that a lot of people may ask, why is bipolar a constant now? Or do you feel that you've been healed? Because... If you've gotten everything off your chest, if you address the fact that because a lot of people feel like if you address the issues, once you address the issues and kind of move that issue off of, you know, out of burial or you kind of bring it up and get rid of that. Are you healed now? Okay, so um, answered no, 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 no. I get that question so much. Like, Mm -hmm. how did you heal yourself from bipolar disorder? Mm -hmm. Um, How like. 
can well that can this heal you can you okay i don't believe and even um how can i say this properly let's say i don't need to be healed mm. that's the thing um, there's nothing wrong with me. Mm-hmm. There's something that I have to adjust my life around, and that's it. So there's not a fact of me healing anything. It's a fact of me saying, oh, wow, okay, it's really hot today, so I know I may be a little bit more irritated, so I'm not going to go out tonight and have a margarita. Mm-hmm. That's that's me dealing with my disorder. That's me being healed, if you want to say mm-hmm. so. Um, taking charge of your actions and the reasons of why you do things, whatever it may be. I became obsessed with my mental awareness and um, my self-discipline got me to this place of an idealistic healing. Mm -hmm. But I still suffer every day, like every day. I've been beating this spell of depression for like seven months now and I have no idea what it is, but it just lingers. Yeah. It's loud, too. It's like, go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Go to sleep. Hey, free. Go to sleep. Like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, it never, it never stops, and I really don't want people to think of me as a quick fix mm. or as somebody that has just, like, you know, like she's she she's fixed. Mm-hmm. That's 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 not it. So, if you were to be able to give advice towards someone who feels that they're battling that. Or because you saying that I don't need to be healed, I think it's powerful as well. I think that it takes away the, it changes the question up. I'm not broken, so there's nothing to necessarily heal, but there are things to address throughout your life. So for someone who wants to be connected and in your life or connected with you what are the better ways for them to approach this because i think that most the reason why i'm asking this is because i feel like people don't joke people don't approach people are it's like they may feel for a lack of better terms that it's a ticking time bomb and i don't want to like do anything that fucks something up Mm -hmm. excuse my language for that but really messes something up Mm -hmm. and then i'm out here like now i'm feeling bad like Mm then you know what what do i do like how do you what's the best way to approach to you you don't, the, the, but I mean, I'm trying to figure out approach me like in, in, what, in what way and for like relationships or for friendships because you said friendships were difficult. Like I mean, p- friendships are difficult. Period. People, yeah. That's fair. Yeah, that's very fair. That's my friend over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> answer that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Cam. Come on, jump in. I this. mean, like I met Paige what September. I know that's when crazy. we met. So we've known each other for maybe like a month and a half, and. I learned about her through her story. And yes, from what the media from what media has told us, like this is not what bipolar looks like. Right. But she is a normal person. We Absolutely. have so many things in common from just our background and everything. There are so many levels that we can connect on that don't even have to we don't even have to talk about our mental illnesses, but because we both work in the mental health space, it's something that tends to dominate our conversations, but it's not a bad thing. So she's a person first. Like, she is not her disorder. So as long as you can... And that's what I was trying to get to. Right. As long as you acknowledge that, it's, like, super important. And then I did also want to say one other thing. Back when she was talking about not being cured, I mean, how there's really not a cure, (sighs) that also stands for depression, anxiety. Mm -hmm. 
a lot of these mental illnesses are chronic diseases that we have to deal with. Mm -hmm. I got off my meds for like three weeks unknowingly because I was doing so well. Then I crashed. Mm. It was bad. And then I was like, why am I feeling this way? Oh, the anniversary of my mom's death. Oh my gosh, I haven't been on my meds. And I'm like literally in tears like, oh. But then again, thanks to my therapist, she's like, it's okay for you to have these feelings. Mm. And she reminded me that it's okay. Like this is literally just my illness and I need to take better care of myself mm -hmm. and get back on my meds. And she was like, Cameron, you know that you're gonna be on these antidepressants probably for the next two to three years. And I was like, yeah. Okay. And I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. Respect. 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 I and and that's the thing. So like when you are dealing with this, right? And I was gonna ask you, do you um have you ever been prescribed medicine and was it a process? Like were some terrible I have some friends who recently, like today, Kim was with me earlier. I was on a phone call with someone who talked about their um their antidepressants made things worse for them. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yes. So before I even go into all of this, I am personally, mm -hmm. Paige Gaines, personally, I am pro-medication. I'm pro-medication when it is um, done properly, the entire process, mm -hmm. the entire process. So um, that's my stance on that. Now, I will speak on when the process is incorrect. My first three months um, after being diagnosed... I had been on at least 12 to 15 different medications. Okay. Like just tried and, oh, that doesn't work. Let's try this. Oh, that doesn't work. Let's try this. Oh, that doesn't work. Maybe up until a few months ago, my body has just stopped twitching mm -hmm. from being on so many different things and wow. having so many different side effects. Yeah. Not cute. <laughs> mm -hmm. Really not cute at all. Like mm -hmm. just sitting there talking to a guy, you know, your whole arm, like. Mm. My bad, dude. Didn't mean to knock you right there. So, um, <laughs> it's um, it's it's a um, it's an interesting topic. Yeah. Medicine. I think it's a personal choice. Okay. I definitely think it's a, a personal choice. Because I know when me and you kind of like had our preliminary conversation, we talked about how there's people who might come to you and ask you. And I I, I brought this up because <laughs> I'm trying to get to these places. So, like, you know, you told me that sometimes yeah. people come to you and they're like, why aren't you trying any natural things? Or I just I this is the thing. I just I want respect for one being a human being two being an adult enough to take care of myself. Right. So I feel like when people have a mental illness, everybody else feels like their solution should fix that person because they're the normal one. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And so then it gets into a conversation of, well, that what? is a great point. And they look at me like, well, how could you ever know better? Well, mm -hmm. yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> that's a great point. And that's how I'm like, I'm continuously approached like a, like a, like that like, oversensitive type thing, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, have you tried? <laughs> like, are you okay? Like, why mm -hmm. are you talking like that? It's everything is okay, and um, is I'm, that a trigger? Is it a trigger? Yeah, it's like, just, is, uh, can people's approach that way be a trigger? It depends how many times a day it happens. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I stay out of certain areas of town. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. No, um, yeah, it can be though. Yeah. Like, it can be. It's a joke with my family now, though. Like, my mom and I, 
um, we all, like, we always joke about it. When I used to be really, really, really depressed, I would come down from a mania episode. And so from being really happy to just crashing and going into the furthest low. And she comes in my room, poor mother. Hi. I'm like under my covers. I think you just really need some vitamin D. You just need some sunshine. And like, I just looked at her like, are you crazy? You don't Mm -hmm. tell a depressed person they need sunshine. Like that's just not, that's Mm -hmm. just not what you do. Mm -hmm. Look, she's she's laughing. Mm -hmm. You do not do that because it's kind of like, do you really i could have opened my window yesterday like we've been mm-hmm. here for a long time it's mm-hmm. been a lot of fun so now she just jokes and she's like do you need some some sunshine because she called me and was like i read a book and the guy said don't suggest sunshine because they are the cloud <laughs> like they're the actual cloud so we joke about certain things and how they used to try to help me cope and you know so it all matters but yes it is a trigger when somebody thinks that their way is way better than what i've been able to accomplish this far yeah and they don't know me yeah 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 of course that's a i I would like to say that's a trigger almost for anybody if you're giving advice and you didn't know me and it was unsolicited one other question on medication female to female have you had any issues like being on your cycle as far Ooh, as your medication? Question. I have because no answers. For that me. happened to me personally, so I'm just wondering if other females with mental illnesses have that reaction during that time when all females go a little cray. <laughs> you can answer that out loud. <laughs> oh, my pastor's not listening. <laughs> Yeah. No, um, mine, um, it decreases my sex drive, like they say in the commercial. Yes, I've heard that a lot, actually. Yeah, decrease libido. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I want to say I'm sorry <laughs> to hear that. Like, so is there any, seriously, because I remember, do you remember we had the panel at the gathering spot, and one of the psychiatrists on the panel was saying how, like, for her, that's not okay. Like, mm-hmm. if any of her patients come and say, like, I can't really, like, it's messing with my appetite. It's messing with my sleep pattern. It's messing with my sex drive. And then she said there are some psychiatrists that feel like, oh, well, I mean, if you have to forfeit your sex drive for this, then, you know, we'll just take the forfeited sex drive. And for her, she's like, no, you try to go home and not have a sex drive. Wait, so who said that? The psychiatrist that, that we had my, on the panel. That was my doctor. That was Dr. Moss Robinson. Yes. She's a oh, G. That's- I can't Um... <laughs> She's also very busy. Yeah, she did. She did say she's very busy because she said great. She said great psychiatrist and great clinicians. They have a waiting list for maybe a year or more. That's wild. I know that. That's wild. I had one of the best, um, one of the best black doctors, male black doctors in um, the state of Georgia, and I got to him right before he blew up, and Mm -hmm. his waiting list was a good year, year and a half. Wow. A little bit after I got him. He was the most amazing doctor ever. Do you still see him? No, I do not. He moved to um, Skyland Trail. So, um, no, I don't. But Where's Skyland Trail? It's over um, at North Druid Hills. It's like a, a long-term care. He is in Georgia, though? Yes, he's We might need to get his information, at least bring him on to have conversations Dr. With him. Adam Meadows. Okay, okay. Amazing guy. Helen Page, that's We'll do. And so, b- briefly, before we get into um, 911 Silent um, St. Jane, 
I wanted to ask for those who don't know, when you say you have a manic episode, what does mm-hmm. that mean? Um, let's see. I like to compare it to um, a manic episode is nothing but just everything becomes heightened. And so I say that and I said it prior to what if you can imagine somebody like being on Molly mm. or like Coke, has anybody seen that? I have. Okay. Has anybody seen Molly just like really hyped up on something? Right. Caffeine, Coca-Cola, coffee, whatever. It's like that. It's basically just like that. Okay. Except natural and you're a lot more creative. Okay. Um, You are, uh, what's, what else? Very, very, very friendly, just... I mean, it's all about life. Like, everything just feels... Music sounds good. Compulsive. Yeah, very. Mm-hmm. Um, very impulsive. Mm-hmm. Very, very... Like, thought processes don't really occur. A thought occurs, the mm-hmm. action occurs. Mm-hmm. Consequence. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> I got you. It's just a very... It's a quick... It's a quick life. Nothing is long-lasting at all. Okay, like, okay. At all. It's... And so let's get into your nonprofit, 911 St. Jane. All right. So you said that you wanted to make sure that people didn't feel any way, like feel the way that you felt. You wanted to create it to give people kind of an outlet. So what is the, what is the complete premise behind it? Where are you taking it? Where are you at with it? That kind of thing. Oh my goodness. Just talk to us about your baby. My baby. Okay. Um. Well, I'll start with the name because mm-hmm. people. I have so many creative <laughs> meanings behind St. Jane, and I will tell the truth. Mm-hmm. So um, for a very long time, especially in college and maybe a little prior to, I just, I never thought that my parents would really know who I was. Mm. And the older I got and the more dangerous my life got and the more risky and all that, the more times I saw death. I just figured my parents would find me in a body bag Mm. and that it would just come up as a Jane Doe. And I remember one day coming, um, I was sick again, and the name just popped in my head, and I'm like, St. Jane, huh, I like that. And I was like, oh, my God, I really like that. And it just stayed with me because I'm like, who was saying like genuinely who is sane and then the bigger question who's jane and who's her story like where is she mm-hmm. you know um i want to know her story i want to know her story it has to be good it's got to be good mm-hmm. you know um so everybody has their own level of what they consider sanity to be absolutely everybody is a jane like hey jane jane hey jane jane <laughs> so that's why i always like sign it because it's literally from my heart and my entire being to each individual mm-hmm. um yeah because even guys i know y'all don't really like it but <laughs> you know y'all too we can come up with something maybe y'all not john john's because it's the opposite of the dream like, i know, you know it just doesn't sound it just didn't sound as cool no. <laughs> that's real that's real so um that's where it um that's where it came from i wanted a story to actually be told Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, it grew into this, mm-hmm. and I just kind of don't, I don't know, it's kind of crazy. It's going to keep growing. I, I think know. you're working in your passion, and, and not only in your passion, you're working in your literal life, and you're turning your life into not a, just a testimony, but literally like 
a healing mechanism and I think that's a powerful thing yeah it's been um it's been very rewarding I was actually given the opportunity to participate in the promise program okay and Arkansas Okay. So the University of Arkansas has about 2,000 kids that mm-hmm. they do uh, counseling services for. And they have a summer camp every year for about 300. And mm-hmm. they all live with some form of a disability. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was actually hired to teach. And I... Congratulations. Yeah, I ran my entire workshop. I was a workshop facilitator and coordinator. And I had about 200, 250 kids. Hey, congratulations. That's major. And it was just powerful. And you're 26. I'm just 26, but I had just turned 26, too. Yeah, <laughs> shout out. That's dope. Yeah, so I just, um, yeah, when I got the offer, I had just, it was right after my birthday. And it was right after I got my business license, actually. Shout out. So it's like college touring and speaking and teach. Is that something that you would like to do more I of? I would love do more of it. I mean, I would... Yeah, if they called me today, like, hey, you're in 10 minutes, yes. Yes. Give me 15, I'll be there, but yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yes, campus for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to do more speaking engagements. I mean, I love to teach. I love all of it. I mean, mm-hmm. talking to you. Oh. Um, everything. And likewise. And, and on behalf of Silence to Shame, collectively, we had you on our panel we've had you on two panels so everyone we were i know we've been absent for like a month but we were moving so busy we were very busy october was world mental health their world mental health day was in october right yes, october, october 10th. 10th october 10th and so we've had panels um where we did the panel at stone mountain with the youth yeah, the Youth Suicide Yes, yes, and the Youth Suicide Conference, and you were on the panel for that, and they loved you. I think because, one, you're relatable. That's why I'm trying to talk to you like this. I'm, oh, I'm, yeah, you know what I'm saying? You're, I right. have so much to tell you. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so we appreciate you being on the panel for that, and they were mag- like you were a magnet, and they were just completely drawn to you there. And then just recently we had a panel at the Gathering Spot because shout out to Silence the Shame for kicking off the Jack and Jill Seven City Tour. And we're going around the the country hitting a couple of different hot spots to talk to teens about mental health. Yes, a huge thank you to Jack and Jill huge. of America. Their foundation has been great we got to meet the president of jack and jill last saturday yes it was such a blessing so thanks again to jack and jill of america incorporated yay so shout out to them and shout out to the launch that we did here in atlanta it was dope the kids were engaged the we had a 13 year old dj (laughs) shout out to the 13 year old dj i have his name somewhere and i want to say his name correctly do you know his name by chance cam not off the top of my head okay so we we we're gonna have to give him a shout out because i do know it i do know it i do have it um but we had a 13 year old dj that was killing it the kids were asking questions the parents were asking questions and and things were great and so i bring that up because Paige was one of our panelists and thank you so much for being there and thank you so much for drawing them in because like i said you're not only relatable but you're doing some magnificent and amazing things that's people twice your age are just trying to figure out how to do you know and or looking for their courage to do it so you're an inspiration to i think multiple ages um i want to ask you where people can find you okay so we can um because i think it's about time for us to get ready to wrap up 
So tell everyone where they can find you and and okay. that type of thing. Um, everything is at nine one one, Sane, Jane. Everything. Easiest thing is to go to Google and type nine one one Sane Jane in. And I'm the first two pages. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out to my SEO. Yes, hey, SEO. I was Hello. about to say that. Yes. I was about to say that. So, no, either way, you can find me there. Okay. And everybody, be sure to follow us on all of our social media. We are at Silence the Shame on Instagram. We are at Silence TH Shame on Twitter. And we are Silence the Shame on Facebook, right? Technically, it's at Silence TH Shame on Facebook, but once you start typing in Silence, Silence the Shame pops up. Because mm-hmm. we, we at the top two, like shout that. out to our SEO. Exactly. So that's how it <laughs> pops, right? And shout out to Shanti Daz. We are always, always thinking of you, and you are in our mind and prayers as you are traveling across the world. We, we miss just, you so we, much. we miss you, and we're doing things to get just like you. So oh, yes. this has um, been episode 11 of silence to shame thank you for everyone who's been listening spread the word i hope and just pray that this message and this work becomes contagious and you guys continue to spread it and share it with your friends we are working diligently to kill the stigma behind this because we are trying to keep lives alive so thank you everyone for tuning in and until next time peace If you or anyone you love needs a hand, please shine light on the darkness. Spark the conversation. It's time we silence the shame. Let's talk about it.